I'm back, baby. Back from what? Leading banter. <laughs> Wait, I'm back to leading banter. <laughs> You're not back from leading banter. I was back from You've been my gone for a week, leading banish- banter, bantering around. I was banished. Now you're back. Banished from bantering. First of all, I never banished you. I just said, let me take a stab at it again since I clearly didn't do well the first time. And you gave me a chance. And we'll give you a chance again. Oh, aren't you the sweetest? But it's my turn. <laughs> Great. And the audience is excited. Uh, you have you have no idea if the audience They're so is excited, excited about you this. You actually have no They're idea. They're like, what is he going to come up with this time? Nobody. I don't actually think anybody is saying that. What is he coming up with in this special episode? This is a special episode. Don't get to the topic oh, yet. Oh, my word. Okay, banter no, go first. ahead. Banter. Topic Banter second. away. What do you What do you want to say to me? So what do you want to banter about? Full disclosure, folks. This is a re-recording. That means you have to have a different banter. You do We had to that. re-record this special episode because the original one, which we thought was so awesome. I don't know if we thought it was awesome, but it was really long. Though long. It was a very long special edition episode. We found out today... I sent, I did everything very diligently on Friday. Yeah, it was Friday. Sent it off to my team team who takes care of the editing, only to hear today that there's some type of popping noise that's going boom, 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 boom. Was that what I was doing? And sure enough, I I went and listened to it, and there was a stupid clicking, like metronome, metronome noise going on. Mm -hmm. So I, I guess I didn't shut something off. When we recorded, and instead of, instead of having my team member wasted. pull out each. That would literally probably take her four hours, and it would take she us another. She spent 20 minutes just removing five minutes worth of it <laughs> out of a 60-minute episode. So I said, no way. We decided to I care about I care about my, my team enough to say, no, we're not going right, to waste so your time. What is so this we're, new re- banter, we're you... re-recording. This was the banter. We're oh, bantering right banter. now as we re-record. <laughs> Listen, the original banter... The original banter was about sports. I was excited that well, it's kind of it was kind of tongue in cheek excitement that sports were back, and we really just talked about it's just not that exciting. Um, no, just basketball, baseball, hockey, no fans, fake fan noise, fake, in weird there. fan just noises and things like that. Weird, sports. I think screens at, the, at each end of the basketball court, so they're looking at the fans of the team. Just, I'm sorry, I can't. It's like a, it's yeah. like a fake. It's like literally video game type sports, so baseball weird. with nobody in the stands, and we're supposed to make believe we're getting excited because they raise the volume of the. It, I'm sorry, can't do it. And I and I love sports, but it, again, I'll probably dabble here and there, but. And it's overly politicized. All, almost every aspect of it right now, I'm kind of like, I don't want to tune to sports and have to think about everything that's going on. Agreed. So anyways, that yep. was it. That's our banter. That was the exciting banter. <laughs> I didn't think it was exciting the first time. Well, no, you don't because you're not excited about sports in general. I like, but yeah. I thought Once it was an, in inter- I I thought it was an interesting sports. topic in light of mm-hmm. current events and sure. what's happening. But you know what else is current events? Raising eight. A couple of sinners trying to raise saints. You bet. (laughs) That's us. That's us. We're current events. And this episode is related to these current events as well, because a lot of folks are having to make some difficult decisions with homeschooling or schooling in general. Schooling in general. And I just read a report, a study this morning, that said four in five parents are going to be homeschooling their kids. Seriously? This fall. Now, it was one poll, but it was 2,000 parents, 2,000 families. Wow. And that's a pretty significant kind of change of 
behavior and decision making as far as kids' education. So, mm-hmm. so we thought we would. We did that kind of. Our first episode was on the what people were doing that they were calling homeschooling versus real homeschooling, and we just the idea of we really felt like oh my words, what people must have been going through, March through June, um, uh, just these last few months. And heading into the summer and that's not real homeschooling but now a lot of people are actually thinking about homeschooling and we know folks who are thinking about it so we want even to do- folks who have made decisions to switch over yeah to homeschooling yeah so we wanted to do a deeper dive into homeschooling just just answering we asked we solicited some questions on facebook and we get a bunch of good questions so we're going to walk through these for you today and i'll be interviewing laurie and she's going to give oh. Great answers. That's going to help you be perfect homeschoolers. We're not perfect homeschoolers. Oh, right. So, you know what? If you are, yay, we're not. But hopefully, at least we can share with you some basics of things that have helped us. Maybe some of our tips and there are a bunch of questions. We're just kind of going to, Michael's going to run through asking me a bunch of questions. Yeah, we're going to do a This re-recording is going to be be somehow shorter than the first one. one. Because... He, yeah, we, I was hearing yeah. some of the questions for the first time in the previous recording, and now this is the second time. So hopefully I already have some formulated answers. So we're going to be very robotic, non-entertaining. Very robotic. Get your pens and papers out, your iPads out, start typing out all these all great tips. Answers. I don't know what that is. I am a robot. All right. No, not supposed to be entertaining. And the good news is that's not... <laughs> I didn't entertain you. <laughs> you were annoyed with my robot. You didn't even know what it was. Entertained. Yeah. Fine. Okay. You can ask me some questions or what? All right. Here I'm we ready. go. All right. Question number one. I'm bobbing and weaving. Question number one has three. That's going to. I'm just kidding. You're going to make Anne have to. I'm sorry. Anne, sorry about that. I'm going to stand still. Question number one has mm-hmm. three parts. Oh, my. We're going to A, B, and C to this question. So the question is, how do you get started? And que- the part one of that, we'll do them one at a time. Um. What kind of like do we need? How do we figure out state requirements and then local requirements as far as like school boards and stuff like that? Okay, so the first people when they ask how do where do I even start with homeschooling? There's a million curriculums, blah blah. blah. So, well, the first thing is find out what your state requirements are for homeschooling because there's nuance with each state. What state? Your state has certain requirements. It's going to ask of you and you can go to your state website, but it's kind of hard to navigate it. So if you go to um, Homeschool Legal Defense website. You say that looking at me like I had the answer. To oh, because that. my brain went blank like, for a second. Like, so I'm oh, like, wait, what? Is, what <laughs> what's that website? <laughs> Homeschool Legal Defense. Right. Um, you can look up by state. And you can find out what your state requires of you. So as I always tell parents who are asking me about homeschooling, because I was told this when I begun homeschooling, you don't don't do more than what your state requires as far as a letter of intent and things that they're requiring of you. Going above and beyond it is not necessary. It also will set a bad precedent for other homeschoolers. Like just as far as what they're asking of you to give them, just give them what they're asking. You don't need to go above and beyond that. You're going to need to find out yeah. what your town right. also requires of you. So that's like step two is kind of searching 
for what your town. You'd have to go to your town website to figure that, or your city. Homeschooling events, they won't have that. I don't think they they have it broken down by that. That's too much. They think it's mainly they're going to give you the state requirements. But it's easier to figure it out for the local school district anyway. So it's a quick phone call, go to the website. Usually it's pretty easy. Sometimes it's on their website. Sometimes. And once you've done, once you've found it out. Yep, that's exactly what what I did was finding out from peop, local people. Oh, you're you homeschool in our town. What do you do? Um, and kind of getting an idea. So most towns will want you to submit a letter of intent. Mm-hmm. You're saying I'm intending to homeschool the family. Here's who I'm intending to homeschool. You list out your kids, either birthdays or their grades that they're entering. Um, like our state, Massachusetts, doesn't require you to. To submit a letter of intent until your child is entering first grade and six years old. So there are, I've never submitted anything about pre-K or kindergarten, even though I'm doing things at home, I don't need to tell the town about it till they're entering first grade. So there's just, that's kind of your first step is finding out state, town, writing a letter of intent. There's all sorts of sample letter of intents out there that you can look, you know, you can Google it and find a sample in yeah, this homeschooling is a letter of intent. Legal document this is here not, that we're talking about. yeah, it's very simple yeah. and give them what they're asking of if sometimes they ask you to be very specific about your curriculum. Sometimes they don't ask you to be very specific. So you just yeah. find out. And sometimes um, most school districts, um, I was on my school committee in my hometown in Woonsocket for, for about six years. And when I first started, we weren't, we weren't approving, like we didn't go, we didn't do appro- approvals, official approvals, if you will, like a by vote. It's really, it was just by real quick. Yes. No problem. Um, and then we asked for it only because we wanted to have a more of an awareness of what the trend was. So the superintendent would just give us kind of like a, literally it was like a list the, all the letters would be, the letters of intent would be kind of in a binder. Well, sometimes we have three, sometimes we'd have them, we'd receive them all year round. It was, it was very, hmm, very interesting back interesting. then. It's probably changed since then, but um, I don't think most school boards don't do that. So, um, but again, to just research that, figure it out, make it happen. It's not that, it shouldn't be that hard. All right. So, uh, how do you get started with materials and supplies? So, and I'm guessing this is non-curriculum materials and supplies. Yeah, I mean, materials and supplies, basic basic school materials based on what age your child is at. So if you, every year I try to make sure I've got, you know, pencils and crayons, all the kind of normal stuff you'd be doing for back to school anyway. For certain subjects, my kids, different systems with different ages, certain kids need folders for different things. Certain kids need notebooks, multiple notebooks. You know, just it depends on what ages your kids are at. And sometimes you want to put like uh, you've had you've put stuff up like posters with the multiplication table right. or uh, I, maps or maps, depending, depending on what, what we're working what, on. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I like that you used to, you, I think you still do you use whiteboards. I have a yep, for uh, math and, and a different kind of stuff that makes right. It, yeah, so, so I use whiteboards. Like little white, those little whiteboards you can get I have in that mini job whiteboards, and then I have Big a bigger ones. one yeah. that I hide behind the the hutch, yeah. and I pull it out to to show them real quick. I also have little mini chalkboards. I've used those with them yeah. before because it just changes it up for them and makes it kind of more exciting to do school. All right. So again, folks, that just depends on what you're doing and what Crayons, you want. Crayons, colored pencils, whatever. Just think of the basics, and that's probably what you need to get. Mm-hmm. All right, the big one though. Um, how do you get started in regards to finding the right curriculum? Yes, curriculum. That can be really challenging when you're first starting out. I remember first thinking about 
homeschool when we were first, first, first starting, Michael, Mariana, Tim. First, first, first. First, 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 or first, first. First, 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 first starting, if I have to do it eight times. And Michael, Mariana, John Paul were all little. And I just remember first, I started by talking to people I knew. What do you use? What do you use? And just getting people sense, seeing things in person, people, I have never come across a homeschooling family who's not super generous to let you look at their stuff and borrow stuff. I just have never experienced anyone that's not overly generous. And that is everyone's experience I've ever talked to about homeschooling. We all want to help each other. That's kind of, at least that's been my experience. And most people I've talked to about homeschooling, families love helping each other. We just, we, we want to just help you homeschooling. Cause we remember starting out and it was really tricky and it was very overwhelming figuring out a curriculum. So I usually suggest to people, especially if they're, if they're fellow Catholics or Christians, I say to them, start off by deciding whether you want a Christian curriculum, a Catholic, specifically Catholic curriculum, or if you're kind of, no, we already have what we want to do for our faith. It's it's here. It's this separate thing. And we don't really need it woven in. So we've, I've done different things when the kids were little, the kids got a little older, and I've kind of settled with Catholic heritage curriculum as I use it for some of my basic subjects language, spelling, some handwriting. I've used it as my core for those basic subjects. And I like how the Catholic faith is woven all into it. So they're doing a language lesson and it's all about a saint. It's literally telling a story of a saint, but each sentence is you have to do the capital letters and you have, you know, whatever it is at the time they're learning about, but the stories are there. And it's just, I particularly have loved that, that the faith is in in everything we're doing. But that's not the only thing we use, right? So you, right. you I think sometimes people think they have to go all in on one on one curriculum, like they have to join a team. Right. And of and course I, that's, that's simply not true. I there are people who do that. Sure, I have friends you can do who it, do but, that, but it's not and a, it works you don't have well to do for that. them. Right. And so when people are just starting out, it can be very helpful to pick a curriculum, one curriculum, and say, we're going to try this out and see how it goes. Because if you pick a curriculum that covers every subject, then you can just, it's very easy. They tell you which books to buy. Plug and play. Plug and play. Like, this is what we're going to use for math. It's all written out. And I don't have to (gasps) panic about what kind of science do I want. Nope, it's right there. Or research. So that is a really good way to get started. And then as you... As you become a seasoned homeschooler, you start realizing, you know, I'm not super keen on this. You might meet somebody else who tells you, oh, I love this history. And you say, I'm going to try this history out. Or do you want to borrow this science curriculum? And you borrow that science. And then you say, oh, I love this. Science. That's how we got involved. That's how we did Apologia Science for years because a friend let me borrow it. I loved it. I did it as unit studies with all the kids at one time did the same science. And that worked out really well for a long time. Now we've moved away from that and we're moving into individual science curriculums. Kids are getting older. So it's just you, you, as you go, you start exploring that there's so much out there right. and certain kids might do really well with a certain curriculum. 
and then other kids, if you have multiple children, yeah, so you, guys, you, you might know, have another kid who comes along and that curriculum is not working and I mean, you'll figure it out really soon. And the perfect it's thing here, working. this is like individual education plans, right? This right. idea of flexibility and truly um, finding the right fit for each child so they can excel to the best of their ability. Exactly. And this is where God bless our schools. They work a lot. Of, I know a lot of teachers. I was a teacher. People work their butts off. The good mm -hmm. teachers really work hard. They really work hard. They care about their students. But tough to make that kind of one-on-one -on -one unless they unless they have some kind of special education plan or something. It's tough in the, the way the school is Just set the way up it's set up to do this 20, kind of very individual. It's not that they don't the work with individual students, right? But it's tough to kind of cater. You're not going to switch out textbooks or whatever if it's not working for right. a particular child. So that's child. just yeah. again, that's just the plus and the minuses of these different um, ways of, of doing education. But homeschooling gives you tremendous flexibility, mm -hmm. um, and you never get to get stuck, and you never have to settle on one thing. And that's right. really kind of a beautiful thing when it comes to trying to educate your children. All right, that's probably kind of like the most complicated, I, I think. Well, maybe not, but um, those those three parts of question number one. How do you get started? All right, uh, next one. With just little ones, preschool and kindergarten. 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 I actually did graduate from kindergarten. <laughs> what did your day? Wow. What did your day look like? Just little ones. Just so, little ones. So first three, probably. First right? three, exactly. First three. Um, so I had a friend suggest to me when I was first, first, you know, Michael was just preschool age and I had three kids under the age of three and, um, I had a friend suggest a curriculum called five in a row and five in a row is a curriculum that's really geared towards preschool and kindergarten age. And you are reading these books, these books from you can get from the library or you can buy them. Each day you read the same book for five days in a row and it pulls out all these different lessons. Each day you've got a little different lesson it's pulling out. Maybe there's a, there's a map that you can use with plugging in the places so they're getting a little geography. They get some math in the books. There's some counting. There's some whatever, basic stuff. And I used that curriculum when they were little. So what did that mean to use a curriculum when I had three kids under the age of three? Maybe we sat down together for the first 15 minutes. I was reading a book to all of them until little one lost interest and crawled away or whatever. You know, they, they disappear and as they lose interest. But Michael would have been the oldest. And so I would take some time with him specifically giving him some of those lessons, pulling out some of those things, using the map with him and Throughout the day, when they're little, you can do all these little opportunities to teach them things. I mean, being home all day with them, because that's what's pretty much been my life. I mean, I've always worked with little part-time jobs, and now I've got a more serious, obviously, part-time job. But um, being able to be home with them, all these different opportunities to play and learn while playing with letters, with numbers and colors and coloring. And I mean, so that's what the day looked like. It, it wasn't this rigorous school day. It wasn't, things didn't get rigorous around here until I had kids, multiple kids that were, and they're not even still rigorous. I don't do rigorous school where, you know, I don't know. It's just, I don't think I'd consider myself a rigorous homeschooler, but I do, their kids are very smart and they, 
They learn in all sorts of ways. Well, that's the, yeah, especially, especially little kids. The little kids. Especially and they, little they kids. Yeah. I'm a big believer that they need to play and they learn through play and interaction with each other, with me, with other people, grandparents and friends. And they learn yeah. life that way yeah. by experiencing it, by playing outside, by counting the pushes on the swing, those types of things, you know? And how many of the, every single kid I think learned the ABCs because of potty training, because we sang the ABCs while they'd be sitting on the toilet. Because whenever I potty train, you spend, anyone who's potty trained knows, you spend a lot of time in the bathroom. They also so you learn just the numbers. Have to number make... one, number two. <laughs> Did you do one or two, honey? <laughs> we can count to two. That's great. That's it. That's it. All right. So anyhow, that's that's kind of homeschooling with little ones. Yeah. So don't put too much pressure on yourself. I don't put situation. pressure on myself, the kids. A nice little kind of maybe light curriculum. Really like, light like Lori mentioned, the start and then taking advantage of what life gives us, if you will, the day-to-day living that find just simple ways to, to teach things. So that it's fun. Yeah. Because you want them to, you want them to enjoy just learning, just find a love for learning at a young age. Yeah. And it gives and you a chance to, fun. and it gives you a chance to begin to test little ways and strategies, even though they're small for yourself and trying different uh, schedules in the day and just mixing it up and just, anyway, it's the point. Again, we're going to say this super over and over flexible. again, super flexible. Mm-hmm. All right. I think we actually, when in this re-recording, I'm going to say a question that I don't think we actually hit in, in the first one. Oh, great. <laughs> I think I skipped over Ooh, it. a new question. And I, I think I know what it's getting at. So it says, with older ones, what should one look for? So I think the this is building off with just little ones. What did Jay look like? Well, with older ones, what should one look for? What does the day look like for older ones? And I'm guessing it's a schedule question. So it sorry re- if that's not what you were asking, uh, friend out there in the world, but <laughs> um, I think that's what you're getting at. So for older ones, it really depends on your children. So I've always taken the approach of being flexible as the kids are growing. I've always been against the idea of forcing teenagers to wake up and do school at at ungodly hours of the morning because most teenagers, their schedule, a natural teenage schedule is that they start, it shifts. They start being more alert in the evening and less alert in the morning. So I don't push my teenagers to start school by 8 a.m. or Sometimes not even by 9 a.m. Sometimes they're starting 9.30, 10 o'clock, and they're going straight through into the afternoon and sometimes having to do some things towards the later part of the day, too. And so that's been my approach, and that's what's worked for us. So there, I don't keep, again, I don't keep a super rigorous schedule, but I do have them during the school year set an alarm, usually in the 8 or the 9 o'clock hour. But if we've had a really busy weekend, for instance, or friends visiting, or we, I have flexibility there. So if I see someone clearly is going through a growth spurt and they're really struggling, they need extra sleep. I'm not pushing them to be up by a certain yeah, time. Yeah, because again, there's an efficiency, as I think we discussed this uh, in the first episode, there's an efficiency to homeschooling because there's, there's far fewer, now there are distractions in a, in a family with oh, eight it, children. Yeah, with 10 people in the house. Um, but, but not 20 to 30 kids in the classroom and then, right. you know, 300 kids in the school. So there's a, there's, um, there are less distractions, um, which allows the schooling itself to be a little more efficient, which gives more flexibility to the school day. Now, we mm-hmm. did learn something this year where we're probably going to try to a little adapt a little bit for our two high school kids. And again, not that we're going to make them wake up at six o'clock in the morning, but that we're going to kind of 
tighten it up a little bit that you got to get your work done and, and stay on earlier in the morning. And even if there are times where I'm, I, I think we, you and I had talked about this a couple months ago, even when there might be days where the, the younger kids are kind of good for the week. So like on a Friday, it might be that the high school kids, Hey, you got to keep pushing through here to get this done. Right. Or if you're looking to give the little ones a day off, sometimes the older ones might have to kind of keep pushing because days off add up, especially high school level, because they have more intense work they've got to do. Right, exactly. But again, flexibility. It's the key word. And, Just really and figuring out what figuring works, out what works and, for and, each and, child, and learning. For so we learned, we learned a lot last year with Michael in his first year in high school, and he learned a lot. That's the nice thing yeah. he was even aware of. I gotta, I'm gonna have to do something different if I'm gonna get done in a timely manner, yeah, a reasonable he's, manner. He's still wrapping up some of this stuff. Some of the subjects. I think he's down to one, right? Yeah. Um, so, but the part of that was because we need to help him get a little more, on a little more of a schedule. He learned a lot too, though, about how to study better how to study, and it was his first how to time having efficient. a lot of quizzes and things like mm-hmm. that. So anyways, he'll, he'll have a, he'll have a good year and Mariana will benefit from that, a learning <laughs> from, curve. from his learning curve. All right. So I think that's, um, I think the middle, middle, the, you've, we've talked about this, the, the rest of the kids, the older kids, not the non-toddler kids are kind of in the morning and some start really early because they're very efficient. They want to get it done and others kind of do their thing over a few hours from mid morning to right after lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it's different depending on what the day looks like. All right. I think we covered number three. Number four, you mentioned a self-directed philosophy in your other podcast for episode one. Did that start at a young age or was the schedule more structured then? So we kind of hinted at this already, but maybe specifically answer that question. Yep. So self, self-directed, self my self-directed philosophy for homeschooling kind of was born out of necessity as I have always had a toddler and a nursing infant up until this these past three years, I haven't had a nursing infant, but every other year, I've we've had a toddler and nursing infant because we've had eight kids in 12 years. So there's just the necessity for me to have children who can, and not only just children, but to have a curriculum because there's lots of di- different, the curriculum that allows them to be independent, to read the instruction, to read the, okay, we're going to learn about nouns. What's a noun? And they're reading about it themselves and they're doing the exercises that follow. They're asking if they have questions, but there's a very self-directed method here. And that did not start obviously from the get-go. I mean, when before the kids can read, it's very hard to allow them to be self-directed. So my goal with the young ones is always get them to read, is teach them to read, uh, work on reading, work on reading, work on reading, letters, recognition, all of that young. And when they can start reading, then the curriculum, most of the different curriculums we use are able to be something that they know, okay, the spelling, for instance, it gives you what you do. In the very beginning of the book, it says day one, you read through your words, you da 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 da, tells exactly do what day one, day two, day three, day four, day five. Da 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 da. That's what it tells you. It says da 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 on day six is just whatever. You only have to learn like two letters DNA, da 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 da. Yes. So <laughs> it's it is it's very clear. So they know exactly what's expected of them on each day of the week. Certain ones are better at that. Then you have something like language, language, uh, math. They I've told them, OK, you're going to work through X amount of pages in this particular math or, or this lesson. You need to complete one or two lessons per day. And math is usually the one that 
is a little less self-directed because right. depending on the child, it they might need me to really explain it. So even though the book is explaining it, they might meet, need me to pull out the whiteboard and give them a better explanation. So And it helps that you have a math, you're very good at math, you love math. That is my and you yes, had a my mind in a math subject. too. So so it does help. And that's a that's a tough subject. It's a right? tough and subject. If you don't have that in your home, that could create that can become kind of a difficult place and you might have to seek some Outside additional help. help, yeah. Or, and Which there are, exists. it does exist. And there are a lot of math curriculums now who come with videos. Right. Who, there are literally people teaching on a video and you can pop a video in. And a lot of it is is just virtual now too. So you don't even need to have a DVD player. Yeah, which, so you don't have that you math know, person in your life you to help have, you out. Right. And, and you there just, are, there are, again, there are, there are options to help Options out there. Mm -hmm. All right, so um, I was going to say something else about that, but it's gone, so we'll just move on. All right, next question. Question number five. Any other resources to supplement the curriculum? Something like video. I'm guessing videos. And yep. So when the kids manipulatives were- Manipulatives, and I know you're- Absolutely. Up. So when the little ones were, and, and still, even for the current little ones, but when Michael and Mariana were little- uh, a friend had told me about the leapfrog video. So anyone who has little ones out there and you've probably come across leapfrog because leapfrog is a very, it's a company that makes all sorts of learning things. Yeah. Folks have seen this stuff. They've the seen it. Yep. Yeah. And so there, the videos out there are really well done. And there were ones we had just on DVD back in the day before everything was digital, digital. but, and we had DVDs and that would really help even before I had to entertain little ones while I was homeschooling, because this gets into, I think, another question, but um, I would use those videos to help them with phonics and really help them learn how to read and Yeah, so that's a good baseline for the it's, reading piece. It's good. Yeah. And it's good also just with songs. Certain kids, I was one of them as Michael laughs at me all the time because I remember the most random songs from my childhood or from whatever, TV shows. And he'll say, you can't remember basic history, like dates of wars and nope. But I can remember random songs that I learned in kindergarten. So, hey, some of us learn through music. And so, but that's helpful to have those types of tools, even if it's there, they sell all sorts of CDs that you can pop in, uh, that you, that help the kids through music to remember things or the times table or the, so those are great resources. Manipulatives. Yeah, I, I am say, big on. Yeah, and also this finish that. Cause this also connects to the younger kids as well. Yes, exactly. I'm big on, I'm big on with math using visuals. That's just me. There are curriculums that are literally based upon this. Math you see is one of them. I've never used the curriculum. I'm actually going to be using it this coming year with for algebra with one of the couple of the older kids. But I had never used it before, but that's how my brain already worked. I would pull things, I'd say, oh, I'd be talking about geometry and I'd just run and get a box and showing them the sides and whatever it is. And so I've always used manipulatives just naturally because that's my background. But they sell all sorts of hands-on because some of your kids are going to be hands-on learners. We right. have a few that are. They really need to see and touch in order to learn. And we figured that out. I figured that out just over the years of dealing with them 
Sometimes that's just what a kid needs, or sometimes a kid's going to need you to just say it, like talk about it. That's a, more of an auditory type of a learner. Sometimes they're going to need to read it themselves in order to grasp a concept. You're going to figure that stuff out pretty quickly as you see what works and what doesn't work for a child. But having some good hands-on things, shapes I was and- I for the little ones, shapes. Uh, we have little the, blocks the, the, kind that of connect. Wooden uh, puzzles. Wooden, and... Yep, wooden puzzles. So that does get into the question of how what do you do with your little ones while you're homeschooling big ones because that was a I question get to that one yeah yeah no i'm getting right into it now because it's all ties it's not gonna mess up anything it's a natural progression so question number nine no. we skipped three questions <laughs> who said you had to go in order it was just help i'm going into that yeah all right i actually had it prepared you and can planned. figure out that you you skipped over to number nine we already did that fine one. go to it oh my word what do you do with <laughs> infants toddlers when you're trying to teach your older children well, Michael, what I do is <laughs> put them all down for naps. Yep, yeah, as everybody they goes always cooperate. To bed. Yeah, just go to sleep, everybody. So obviously, it's changed over the years. When I had mostly little ones, it looked a little different, and now I have most. We have mostly older ones and some younger ones. But some of the things, some of my go-to things, have been these manipulatives I was just talking about. So I, I keep certain toys, if you will, learning kind of toys, lacing beads, these the giant wooden beads with, with um, shoestrings, these types of things in bins somewhere where they're not, they're not allowed to access them. So they're not like, oh, you can just go get them whenever you want. I take them out. So I reserve them for this special times where I'm trying to school and they're And the leapfrog bored. video hasn't worked. You know, they, they, right. they've watched it already. Or they've already watched yeah. a leapfrog video. Yeah. I'm not going to have them sit there for four hours the watching TV. the TV. But we, I have used the leapfrog videos for sure because I'll say, well, it's school time, so you're going to watch a school movie. That's what I say to Tim I find that gives year. you, my when I was witnessing that all a few different times this year, it, it buys you some time, which was nice to exactly. get the, the rest of the kids going, right? It does. It buys me that, that morning. And we do start off, I know we talked about, we start Start off with prayer all together and learning about the saints all together. And then the big kids go off and they're ready to go. And sometimes they have questions right away. Yeah. And then little ones need to be doing something. So sometimes that's a leapfrog video. Sometimes that's puzzles that are only taken out at a certain time. Sometimes it's a bin with the lacing beads. And it's exciting to them because it's not something they're, they just can go play with all the time. It's not like, but now that the two youngest ones are getting older, they can go independently play in the basement or play with Legos. So that does help. But the little, little ones do need things to actually occupy them. Play-Doh, your best friend, Play-Doh. Hey, Play-Doh. I know, it's you, you really can't stand Play-Doh. But Play-Doh is a lifesaver. Because it's not something I take out all the time. I'm not one of those people that loves to have Play-Doh all over my floor. I actually can't stand it. I usually break it out I though break when it nothing out else is working. When nothing else is like, who wants Play-Doh? It's like locked away. You break it out when you want, you want the entire kitchen to be a disaster for like five days. <laughs> or as I we got them for Christmas, these little toy yeah, plastic the other thing sinks that, can't that he can't stand. Well, they stopped and working after 30 seconds. They did. They did stop working. But the concept was fantastic. And it actually did keep them occupied for about an hour, which is actually really good because I could get a lot of schooling done in an hour with the other kids but they have all these little dishes that go with it and you fill it up with water and you it's battery operated and the water actually comes out of like a little sink thing and that with and towels it, on the table I mean just finding right, finding stuff to buy you some time to so you can give a little attention to your schooling children especially if they're kind of still young too 
and you're trying to kind of get them because it takes a few years to get them where they're just in a rhythm. Right, in a rhythm. And so they, they can get some things done while you give some attention to the little, little ones. And maybe you have to do some other things yourself in your house. So it's, it's creating some of that, some mm-hmm. of that time. So um, so I think there's plenty of, uh, all right, so that's what we do. Okay, let me go backwards now. Oh, this is so all right, these, these three are related and I think they're pretty quick. Uh, the first one, what is in your, I'll say all three of them and I'll remind you what they are. What is in your homeschool space? And I think we can kind of talk about a few different times in our journey here of what the space looks like and how we use our house space. Um, does, does each child have a particular place around a table? So do they have assigned seating? And how do you use the space to keep track of current work, completed assignments, books? I'm guessing that's kind of charts and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Okay. So we've lived in a lot of different houses. We have homeschooled in, when we lived in Maine, we rented a house and, and every year we moved into a, a, we found a better place to, to live that was cheaper. Yeah, we lived and in three different so we places. lived in three different houses in four years in Maine. And <laughs> I was homes. I was literally beginning a homeschooling journey yeah. in the middle of all of that with four kids under the age of five. So our space looked very different depending on what house we were in. But most of the time in those early years, it was around the kitchen table because we didn't have a school room or anything like that. It was just around the kitchen table. People didn't have assigned spots. It was like, get up, get to the table and let's start school. And it was pretty fluid. When we moved to Massachusetts, the first house we lived in had a dining room, a small little dining room that was obviously, when I say small and dining room in the same sentence, that doesn't work for us. We don't fit in it. So I made it into a school room and we got desks. Michael had got a, a some desks from uh, a closed down school and we had four desks so it was the four oldest that were homeschooling and we created a uh, kind of a chalkboard where he, like, we used painted the chalkboard, on a chalkboard and it was really and I put a, cool I put a frame around it and it was really really cool so, so our cool. space was a, little, was a real cool little, school little school it was like yep. a one-room schoolhouse it had a really cool feel I to created, it kids uh, loved it at the back of the room some shelving all the way across it was almost like um i do miss that school term, room. yeah anyways but i, I yeah it was we, like we really got creative desk. in making it a really true school, school room, room. All, mm-hmm. everything was in there and uh and it was really it was very convenient and we outgrew it we outgrew it within a year and then we ended up moving and but it was it was a really neat little spot for you know obviously not everybody has that luxury to have a room dedicated to schooling but we did for a short period of time and we got to this house and the dining room and the kitchen table have just been the places where the kids school we don't have a dedicated school room the basement has like an old office that I have lined with bookshelves and that's where all the school stuff is kept. Yeah, the room of chaos. It is a room of chaos. It literally looks like a bomb has gone off. Every time you go in, you just want to, you actually want to throw a bomb into it because yeah. it just, it's so bad. You want to blow it up. But anyway, they school upstairs because that's where we all are and I can float around between rooms and between people. And again, if you have lots of kids... You got lots of materials. It is just a it's fact of life, It's just what folks. it is. Yep. And so we have eight kids and kind of seven of them now, or at least this year, right? We'll have seven kind of getting into it a little bit and yep. if not all the way in. And so there's just lots of stuff. And so think that through. If you have a larger family and you're just getting going, you're going to have to think through a little bit of how I'm going to keep this organized. And some people have more space than others. And so that could get tricky. So you're going to, you might have to think that through a little bit. Um, but come up with a game plan and and, and then yeah what's not... worked for us is we have a oh yeah the um 
Cube. Cube. Yeah. Those cube organizers. And we have it standing up and it's eight. It actually works out very nicely for us. It's eight cubes and we have those big pull out fabric, fabric kind of, uh, uh, basket type yeah. things that go in them. And each kid has their own. And they, and actually they came with us the day at Walmart, like years ago when we picked them out and they each picked out their own. Timmy was a baby. So we picked out his, but so that they had the one they wanted. And it was a great investment. It was a great investment. They keep all their current school books in it. So they just go in there when they're ready for another subject, take out what they need, put back in. Of course, their boxes inside are a disaster. Every year we have to clean them out in the summer and recycle a hundred papers that are in there, but it's okay. It's their little spot for all their school stuff. And then we also have more of those shelving things in our hallway that keep books that I'm referring to and more school stuff on them and books. For the one thing read. we don't have right now is actually some good bookshelf space in general, but that's all right. other. Right. Exactly. So, but that's kind of what our space looks like. Dining room is the school room right now. Sometimes some kids will pop out to the kitchen table and then with our oldest, he's when he's on the computer, he's in the family room. So he's right where we can see him. But everybody is within eye shot and earshot. So we're I'm floating between people and people. And sometimes and, they might float around a little more, right, to do their reading when they have to do some reading. Yep. Right? When they have a quiet reading to do in there, they'll go up to their room, sit on their bed and read. Um, but otherwise, they're they're right amongst each other. You know, they're just used to being around each other and sometimes for good or for bad, you know, distracting each other, things that happen in normal schools too. But, you know, and then we have a fish tank in the dining room. It's got only a few Why are we fish about this? because the space, you're talking about the space. What does the space look like? What are we talking about? So it, we put it in there Which is nice on purpose because clean. we thought it would be a nice, just calming kind of thing yeah, for the, the school sound of the area, water and the, blah, blah, yep. blah. And so I think there's the folks, you just, again, you don't have to build a schoolroom for this. And so you, you know what kind of space you have, you know how many kids you have and just be creative with it. Start again, start simple, keep it simple at the beginning. You don't have to have this expectation of chalkboards and whiteboards and have to look exactly like a schoolroom, nope. um, build up into what you want that space what to, you look want like. to look like, yeah. but and you can start very simple and get away with it, which is kind of where we ended up. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right, and then um, obviously I'll answer the next one. Do do kids have a particular space? No, right? I mean, not really. They some gravitate to the same seat on a regular basis, but there's no assigned seating. But you might need to do that. They have on, actually. They have gone to the exact same spots. But you haven't time. assigned it. I didn't point. assign right. it. It happened naturally. Well, it's, human, it's human nature. Yeah, they it's like people it. who have their pew at church. Right, and, exactly. Yeah, I own that pew. And How is, dare you, new person, sit in my pew? And that happens at our kitchen table. That Get lost. Table. Get lost, people. Right. We don't want you here. Settle down. That's not nice. Well, sometimes, sadly, there are people who probably doesn't happen as much anymore now because. No, no, of course not. People spread out. Sadly. But anyways, no. So they don't, they're not assigned. But of course, people gravitate towards there. Yeah. They have their spot they go it's to every morning. Nature. Yeah, so that's that. That's that's that question. Great. Okay, that was right, easy. You on. answered it. Nice job. <laughs> well, you know, I just wanted to get in on the on the fun. All right, how do you do, or do you use the space to keep track of current work, completed assignments, books, etc.? So charts or no, you don't. I don't. I don't <laughs> use charts. I have a chart. The only thing I I live and die by, a chart wise, is a chore chart. <laughs> that is every year. It's the best thing that ever happened. Every to us. end of the summer, so I'm getting close to doing mm. it again. I redo big the times. chore chart. It's big times where I change up the chores. That way, they're not 
it's, you know, it changes it up every, every whatever new school year, there's a new, and especially as the younger ones get older, they get more chores put on their chart and there's a distribution of workload. Um, and anyway, that's the only thing I really chart like meticulously. The rest of it, I'm checking their work as they're doing it. They're coming up to me. Oh, can you check my math? Oh, can you look at this page of spelling? Oh, can you see what I've done here? Blah, 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 blah. And I'm doing it as it's happening. So most kind of, of the time, assessment. it's a constant assessment of where they're at. I don't test the younger kids. I've never been a tester. I did one time, I did standardized testing for a few of just them to kind of just to, out. to see like, yeah. am I way off? And they did fantastic. And I was like, okay, well, I guess we're doing fine. So, um, you know, that's how I do it. That's not everybody. Everybody has their own system. Some people want to really have like almost like a reward system where the kids yep. see literal progress because they might be built for maybe that. Maybe kids, yep, and maybe the kids need it. Or maybe if they're coming out of school. So that's a whole different. That's a good point. If they've never homeschooled before and they've been, they're used to a certain thing, you might find it's helpful to keep some of that. Okay, you get a test, you get a spelling test at the end of the week, or you get a whatever it is, a math test after every lesson. You might find that that's helpful to, to keep, keep that, that consistency. consistent. Yeah. But that's that's going to be up to what works for you and your kids. And then I'm just going to, because this is actually, this is nice because we just checked off another question about progress, check, checking kids' progress. And at the end of the year, what do you do to report to the school district? Because you do have to report to the school district something. Yep. Our, our town gives us the option. So they they have said from the very beginning, you can either send in some uh, samples of work or you can do a report card. And I do a report card. So I just send them a report card. I, I give letter grades for the actual subject. And then I give, per each subject, I give effort. What kind of effort did they put in? And, you know, I mean, there have been times where we've, I've had, I know there have been certain subjects where there's little to no effort happening and I'll say needs improvement. And then I hopefully they've, and I see, I see the improvement that next year. And I don't, I don't go crazy telling them I gave you this or that on, it's really for the school system that I do it. I don't put a lot of weight in grades when they're young. And because I'm more, I'm more interested in have they they learned that subject right and are they enjoying learning about things right that's because that's what school in that's, my mind is about that's, yeah, that's it's, building, it's about that's knowledge building the foundation for long-term learning right? long-term learning. lifelong learning we hope exactly all right good um we also kind of touch upon this but maybe you want something else to say uh regarding this so what what do i do with no that's not it we already answered that one sorry uh bum, bum, bum. I'm skipping the... Oh, there it is. What do kids do to fill their day since schooling takes less time than traditional schooling? Play. They play a lot. So now, nice weather, they... They're outside. In the nice weather and even in the snow, because of course the Get snow... Get them outside. They go Vitamin outside. D, fresh air, they're run around. Running around. So they go to bed. Basketball, football, <laughs> just... Their pretend world. Enjoying so the world. Yeah. Enjoying the world. Uh, whatever. They ride their scooters. They ride their bikes. Okay. That's, and then if it's either super hot or super cold, those are usually the times, or of course, if it's raining and things like that, they, we are very blessed in this house to have a basement that is 
as my sisters and other, yep. We'll say like toy world, like their kids, friends of ours and my sister's kids will talk about our basement. Like it's some kind of wonderland. Like can we go to the basement? An accumulation of (laughs) Legos and blocks and trains and tens of thousands of Legos. It's kid world down there. And we really bought this house with that, that was, that was a huge selling point for us, a finished basement where kids could have kids world. Where the kids can be banished from banish down there. Banished <laughs> forthwith to the basement. But it but um what we've always been big on is letting kids be kids and interact and play is really important for their development, for their development with relationships, with just working through things together. Um but cooperation and just doing projects together, building things together. And we do allow for video games, but very limited, um, you know, half hour at a time or 40 minutes maximum at a time. So they look forward to it. And we, we like video games too, but, but we also help them just to set boundaries. We want you to do other things. We want you to go outside. We want you to you know. Sometimes there's a movie and yeah, yeah, it just depends on what's going on with the world. The weather is like the lower saying. Um, okay. So um, I think we kind of answered this, but maybe you want to add another. This is the last two questions. How has it looked different for each of your children? We kind of did talk about this a little bit. How has like, homeschooling looked yeah, different for each yeah. of his kids? I mean, every, yes, sir. Every kid has a different Wait, you said earlier, way, way of learning. of learning, but also a different desire or motivation for learning yeah. too. So some, some of the kids have been super motivated to do their school and they're quick with it and there. And then other kids take their time, get distracted, are more distracted squirrel. by their... Yeah, squirrel. And are distracted by their siblings or... And it takes them longer to do school. Right. Some of them have given horrible times with certain subjects, heads being banged on tables, uh, flopping off of chairs, whining. I mean, we've... Look, just <laughs> FYI, I mean, we have had... Me, I say me I have had some really rough times with homeschooling. Homeschooling has not been a breeze. And if you go into it thinking it's going to be a breeze, you're going to fail before you begin. You have to go in knowing that there are going to be challenges, just like anything good. There's going to be hard times. Go into it realizing certain kids are going to have a really big learning curve to being at home. Um, Certain kids might need certain outside motivators like the Dollar Tree, that has been a great motivator. Some of my kids just need to see a prize. And, and throughout the years, I've had to use prizes for to motivate some of my kids. Other ones, literally zero motivation. They just can, they don't need any outside motivation, meaning they can, they're self-driven, they get their work done, they're just quick, quick learners. Yeah, if you just try to box your kids into that one size fits all, like if you just do what, uh, is happening in schools again just the way by nature of how they're set up by and large um you're gonna have a, you could have some trouble if you're not kind of figuring out each kid and that changes over time and sometimes they just kind of figure it out yep and you can keep moving on from that point sometimes they just have a tough time for a while and sometimes certain subjects are, are just, really just tough, really right? tough for any of us that was or the all case. of us right and you think back to your own schooling oh what's that subject you hated or what's that subject that was really math. difficult right for you it was math for me, it was history, um, and you love history, and I love math. So, interestingly enough, we've ended together. Oh, oh get married. we did, and but and so you figure out what what works 
What well, works for each kid, but it's going to, it, it might not be easy. I know it hasn't been yeah, easy I, for yeah, us. Yeah, we're not. This is, and again, we're giving you kind of Laurie's, you know, um, quick her, her interview own, here. Her own learning over, over years of doing this and, and also by being around a lot of other people who've done it, which have helped, which has helped mm-hmm. in uh, the, our family's own journey with homeschooling. Uh, I want to say one other thing before I ask Laurie the final question. And, and, and just say, you know, one of the things that I think is going to be complicated for lots of families is they have to work from home. And, and, and how do they figure in they can't give up that extra income for their family to survive? And that's a real, that's going to be a real dilemma. Mm-hmm. I don't care what schooling you're going to be doing this year. For some families, we're it's, blessed. We are right. blessed. We are very flexible. I've been working from home. I have some flexibility there. Laurie does as well. So our and we've already been homeschooling, but for some folks who they're looking at the, what the public schools are saying, other options, and that depends on where you live, or um, or even what the Catholic schools might be saying. And again, that's different depending on where you live. One nice thing about homeschooling is you can be flex, you can flex the schedule, including using weekends. By the way, using mm-hmm. Saturdays especially evenings, weekends. So just what works figuring for it you? out. So you might be able to kind of make it happen, especially if you're working from home, but you can't be distracted for certain kind of segments. Um, now, that can get complicated if you don't have older children. We're blessed. We're at that point now. We have older children to help take care of kids when we need to check out and do work and things like that. Um, but maybe you can get creative. Maybe there's babysitting you might have to do, and even if you're there in the home. Um, so, But again, the fle- it's flexible. The point being is you can flex a lot of this stuff out to make it happen for your family, but knowing that it's not necessarily going to just be a breeze. Right. It's not, as Laurie was saying earlier. All right, last one. This is a shout out to uh, that we think we we laughed about. Like we just saw, we just saw our friend who submitted this question, and we think it was. And she kind of, I think she admitted it by laughing. It was semi tongue in cheek. But what about socialization? Will our kids be normal? And our friend asks, has been homeschooling her children. Yes. She's on the last two. She has six and kids. And she's always there. And all, she all says of us the, question the question that she gets yeah. Yeah. most is what about socialization? How will they be socialized? Will they know how to talk to other will human beings? Because we don't count <laughs> we as human beings. We never talk to them. And they don't talk to each other. So how will they know how to talk to people? How will they learn social skills? skills well for us with eight children yeah we have social a built-in skills community <laughs> is built in so our kids were socialized the minute they had the next sibling next sibling next sibling yeah. next sibling next sibling and they were socialized but that's not everybody's situation so right. it can be very difficult and is very important if you have one two children to connect with other homeschooling families to learn socialization and to not not necessarily to learn socialization but to experience Experience, Because why do we care so much about socialization? Because we're social beings who want to be in community and in relationship with other human beings. It's how we're designed. Our door's being knocked on and enter toddler. I'm going to keep talking by myself to all of you as my husband's disappeared. And but so so our friend asked this question and I think it is it's a it's a valid question that if you decide you're going to homeschool and you've never homeschooled before, you will be asked this question. This is just guaranteed that you're going to be asked, what about socialization? Community is really important. Yeah. And homeschooling, even before COVID, homeschooling was already on the rise. Unfor- 
Yeah, right. But it, but even I was. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Can I finish my yeah, thought? Sorry, you just I thought you were going in. somewhere. I'm in the middle I... of something. So, um, oh, welcome back. By the way, well, oh, I'm sorry. I just want to join your podcast. Oh, thank you so much. You're welcome. Welcome to my podcast. <laughs> welcome to the show. Michael's just joining us. For those of you, okay. So that it's been on the rise for a while, and there are lots of homeschooling communities around. You can find Christian homeschooling communities, Catholic homeschooling communities, just, you know, homeschooling communities by your town. Most likely there is some kind of community out there, but also just connecting with if you, so that's if you have, you really don't know anyone who's homeschooling around you, but the first step would be look into a co-op, a, a, a homeschooling, get on a homeschool Facebook group or touch base. There's so many social media ways to connect with other homeschooling families today um, that you won't be lacking finding other homeschooling families to connect your children. And if you're coming out of school, well, I was just going to say regular was, schooling, you already have, they have friends. Yeah, just keep so connecting you them might have to other, those. Some of those families are probably going to be making the decision to homeschool. So ask around, make sure you're talking. I'm sure this is already happening. People are talking to people each other. It's all they're talking, talking about. Of course. Right. This is because so this important. Is this is so our children right. that we're talking about. Um, so yeah, so connect with those people. And, and obviously your kids, if they're used to being around other people all day long, you're going to have to consider that and really think that out a little bit more than maybe if you're not our kids weren't used to that all day long so they've kind of built we built up socialization as time is going on as we got older and right especially and now also, a little more flexibility and moving around with our children and also that we've we've had a few of our kids that have been very interested in sports so was, we've yeah, done yeah. town sports since we moved here and even when we lived in taunton we have done town sports and you get to know the families in the town and they get to interact well, and be on the, the team school, now the granted obviously with covid we don't know yeah, everything's up, everything's up in the, up air, in the right air, air for socialization. Everybody's socialization's up in the air. And but in normal times, activities through the church, sports, gymnastics, whatever. Yeah, and Michael just played. Things. Michael played. Um, if you're a tax-paying citizen, your children have the right to try out for public school sports. That is. That yep. is a non-negotiable. You can do that. And so Michael did that this year and he played for the ninth, uh, the freshman team at Dighton Rehoboth High School, played basketball and was looking. It's looking forward to hopefully doing that again this year. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But that's another possibility for your kids. And I think there are other, they can participate in a lot of different clubs and stuff that are happening in the school. So make sure you check into that, knowing that they have that option as citizens of a local city or town. Lovely. Okay. That was special edition homeschooling. Folks, we're praying for you. Yeah, we are. Because this is a really tough time. And we really, my heart goes out to the families that have this really tough decision-making ahead of them. Because we we decided this when I was probably pregnant with Michael. Yeah, yeah. We decided that we were going to homeschool. I always wanted to do it. I watched my mother homeschool younger siblings. We've watched Michael's sister homeschool children. And so we've been exposed to it, and we made a decision. This is what we want for our family, right. at least. But we've always said we'd take it year at a time and see how it goes and pray for God's, God's you know guidance with it and see if it's what he wants us to do. And we've felt like this is where he has us and this is what he wants us to do. But for those families who you're out there, or maybe you're listening, or maybe you know of people who are really not sure, they're on their fence and schooling is looking so different right now and they're just not sure what to do or they're working and it's just, we're praying for you and for your decision, for guidance for you and the Holy Spirit to be able to figure out what God is calling your family to and the best situation for you. 
So yeah, blessings, good luck. It's gonna be a very fascinating August of 2020 mm-hmm. into September. So mm-hmm. wishing everybody the best. Thank you so much for listening to this special edition of Raising Aid. And of course, you know the drill. If you like the podcast, please subscribe. Give us a five-star review. Lori's always nervous that somehow you're not going to be able to hear me because I'm doing this. You back way away from me. But I project my voice. I guess you're so loud. I project my voice. (laughs) Give us a five-star review. Share it with others. Um, Write some nice words about it. We love those things. Uh, Give us a shout out. Thank you for all those who have reviewed and who have given us stars. And if you don't like it, you know, you know the drill. Listen, it's fine. We're not everybody's cup of tea. Move on to another podcast. Give them a five-star review. Subscribe. Give them good comments. Hmm. Let's, be, let's be good to each other, let's people. Let's be good to each other. There's be enough kind. crap out there right now. There is. We need to be better than that. And we will try. <laughs> this was Raising Eight. A couple of sinners trying to raise saints. God bless. <laughs>